Jessica Libor, and I am an artist, educator, and curator. If you're an artist who wants to create an amazing and fulfilling career in life, this podcast is for you. I'll be sharing inspiration that has worked for me and art world insights and tips. My goal for this podcast is to help you feel in control of your art career and empowered to be the best artist that you can be. I would like to thank my sponsor, Era Contemporary. Era Contemporary is a gallery and media website serving discerning art collectors through exclusive art events, articles on contemporary artists, and art consulting. Their next exhibition is a group show in September of 2020 featuring contemporary realist artists titled The New Pre-Raphaelites and sponsored by Harkham College. Era Contemporary is currently accepting submissions to be in this epic virtual exhibition until August 1st. If you are an artist who would like to apply to be in this show or a collector who would like an invitation to the virtual event, please visit www.eracontemporary.com for more information. Hello, my beautiful visionaries. How are you this week? I am excited because I have been following my own curriculum in my coaching program, The Artist Soul Mastery, and I've been really sticking to my studio schedule, which has actually been so freeing. It's like when I know I have this dedicated time to spend in my studio, I give myself permission to not think about anything else at all. I've been working on a new body of artwork that reflects the lore and fairy tales of the ocean. I'm working on this for a new virtual show in August, and if you're interested, head over to my art website at jessicalebor.com to get all the info, or you can shoot me a DM on Instagram, and I'm happy to get you on the invite list. Okay, so I'm so excited to bring to you today's interview, which is jam-packed with value for artists. Bridget Mayer is a high-level gallery owner art consultant, and now artist coach who has built a multi-million dollar business from the ground up. I first came to know Bridget because I had applied to be in a benefit show that she was hosting, and after exhibiting at her gallery, I found out she had actually purchased my piece. Next, I heard about her coaching from my friend Kat, who runs the Art and Cocktails podcast, and then I ran into her randomly at the mall. We kept in touch, and I knew when I started this podcast, I wanted to have her on as one of my guests. And here we are. Listen up, because you are getting serious advice from a strong player in the gallery industry. So I am confident Bridget's words will have practical application for any artist or curator listening. So without further ado, let's welcome Bridget Mayer. Hi. Nice to see you. Good to see you. (laughs) We're live now, and um, yeah, everything is working here with technology, so it's so exciting to be here on this call with you. Yeah, and, great to uh, connect with you too, Jessica. Yeah, and where are you coming from? Uh, um, so I, uh, one of my office locations is in Orlando, Florida, oh, okay. um, although with the quarantine, I'm actually working from home right now. My my office is not open, Okay. so that's why uh, I'm in my my home office right now, which is my bedroom. Awesome. It's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It works for me. Um, But yeah, so I'm in Orlando and and actually I'm back in Philadelphia a couple times a month, usually when things aren't um, quarantined. So I'm really excited to get back 
uh, we have a bunch of, I actually have, I think 20 works of art that we're waiting to deliver to clients who have purchased it. Amazing. Wow. And I'm trying to finish up some installation projects there in Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm very eager to get back. And I know That's gallery amazing. artists are eager for me to get back as well. Yes. Amazing. And I, so I have known of you, Bridget, for a long time, definitely over, I would it's been a, at least like six or seven years that I've been, just been aware of you. Just, yeah. Uh, I used to walk by your gallery and, yeah. um, you know, peek in, peek in and see what was going on. And then I was part of the um, benefit exhibition. Yes. And then you became a collector of mine. I did. And, um, I just remember finding out that you purchased that piece and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. uh, I love your painting. So for your audience that doesn't know it, mm-hmm. other year I do a benefit exhibition and I invite, um, now it's grown to over 300 artists from the community um, mm-hmm. and pick these artists like Jessica and curate them into a very big show. Mm-hmm. Gets a small 10 by 10 inch panel and they can make whatever they want for this panel. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a wonderful show because the the paintings are sold for 500 or a thousand dollars depending on the artist and um uh they're little gems and I remember your painting just kept calling out to me and um uh-huh. like to buy a couple paintings from every show that I curate mm-hmm. um, and it has a really uh special place in our house so that's awesome um, yeah so and it was it was a really uh positive event too it's really cool so so I, I'm yeah. you from that and then yes. um and then my friend Kat, e. Katarina yes. Popova, who you know. Yes. And I know you um, were her mentor for a while. Yes, I had coached her. Um, I did a workshop at my gallery when I launched my first book called mm-hmm. The Cure. Um, and that was in 2016. Mm-hmm. Did a workshop with 50 artists. She was in the workshop that evening. Mm-hmm. Um, met. And um, I ended up uh, coaching her for um, over six months, one-on-one coaching. And I helped her grow her magazine, uh, Create Magazine, mm-hmm. and her studio practice. I helped her um, seek out gallery representation and get some more galleries. And I helped her with selling her art and understanding how to sell her art. So mm-hmm. we ended up doing, uh, she... I'll work with me for six months as her coach. And then I did a group coaching program with 10 artists. That was kind of the next level. And mm-hmm. she did that for another six months. So that's Amazing. how I, Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. She's very inspiring and she's just, it's amazing everything that she does. And um, yeah. And, and I listened to her podcast with you as an interview and I thought, yeah, this a great interview as well, especially seeing that, um, you're branching, not only do you curate and you curate these amazing exhibitions and you have a gallery and you do consulting, yeah. but you yes. also are starting to coach artists. And I can see that you have a real love for, um, you know, helping artists to achieve their highest potential. And that's, that's really special. I, I do. And, um, and it's funny because the benefit show that we talked about, that spun out of me wanting to work with more artists and curate more artists into an exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, because my gallery program, I have 16 artists that I represent and work with mm-hmm. pretty intensively. 
However, my art consulting and my other projects for me are a way to include more artists in the work that I'm doing and to help them professionally um, and to get them sales and opportunities. And the next level of this is um, the books that I've written over the last couple of years, which are um, full of really good information for people that are at any level of their career. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes people, even when they're successful, they can get a little bit stagnant and need some yeah. help around thinking or marketing um, or sales or just ideas. So the books are meant to educate and help. And um, I just really love mentoring people, mm -hmm. coaching people. And the thing that makes me smile is when people say, hey, you said I should try this and I did it. And um, someone recently emailed me, I have a Facebook group called uh, Bridget Mayer Art MBA. Mm -hmm. It's a private free group for artists. And I, I have um, hundreds of artists in this group and people are emailing me all the time telling me what they're getting out of being in the group. And someone just told me that um, just through the video that I put up about how to grow your collector base, they mm -hmm. tried some of the suggestions and they went out and they made some calls and one they got an exhibition and two they sold three paintings so oh my gosh that's amazing this is not someone that i've ever worked with or in my network i'm basically yeah. just giving, i'm coaching people it's like mm -hmm. a live coach and i'm sharing the things that i do to have a successful business that yes. i believe all creatives can do um, even outside of making art, I've worked with musicians, I've worked with graphic designers and writers. So really anyone creative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can get a result. So I'm a, I'm a, I have a love of artists and making sure that people are achieving and yeah. someone that started with zero um, mm -hmm. in life and in business. And I've been able to grow um, a multi-million dollar business. So mm -hmm. My um, mission right now is to share everything that I've learned over the last 25 years that I've invested in myself and in my mm -hmm. business education and share it with creatives to help them get the results that they need. Amazing. I love it. So tell us about your background in the arts and what you do now, like kind of like the state of your um, I know that some some changes have happened with your gallery and yes. I would just love to know like how you got into the arts just very briefly how you got into the arts and then um, you know the gallery and then what you're transitioning into now. Great. Um, so um, in 2001 uh, when I was 26 years old I opened my gallery. Mm -hmm. um, the year prior to that I was doing art advising artists and doing corporate consulting. Um, but what I realized was that I love the educational aspect of um, galleries, tours, uh, sharing shows with the public and curating. Um, so I was really compelled to open a gallery. Um, I talk about my whole history in my first book. It's called mm -hmm. Cure and mm -hmm. it's Amazon. So if someone wants the whole story, it's there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I, I was adopted. Um, when I was seven years old. And um, so it's a really interesting, not, not very positive story that has a happy ending. Mm -hmm. But I was really compelled to be in the art world. I worked in New York um, over several years and uh, worked uh, with, with gallerists and um, worked in museums and kept coming back to um, the fine art world of galleries. Mm -hmm. um, 
opened my own space in 2001. Um, and um, I, it, it's evolved into several um, programs over the last um, almost 20 years. And mm -hmm. um, I started off showing emerging artists from the Philadelphia region. Mm -hmm. And then I grew it to more mid-career, more established artists. Then I added international artists. Mm -hmm. um, one of the challenges with working with people from overseas is that shipping and exhibiting their art can get really expensive with paying yeah. um, importation taxes and crating. Um, mm -hmm. So to work up to that point, because there were artists that were not showing in the United States that I wanted to bring to the U.S., mm -hmm. um, which I did, and mm -hmm. several of them have gone on to have shows at the Guggenheim um, and the Tate in London, and I was the first gallerist to, to bring their work into the U.S., so mm -hmm. that was really gratifying for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then in 2017, um, you know, I, I'm someone that likes, I'm a forward thinker. Mm -hmm. This will probably tie into part of our conversation about what's happening in the world right now with COVID, but... Um, I like to think ahead, mm -hmm. um, someone that's typically planning not just one year ahead, but three to five years, and I think 10 years ahead. Mm -hmm. um, so part of being in the business world and having a gallery is, um, you know, having your pulse on the finger of how the world is shifting, um, what's mm -hmm. happening, what changes are happening in the art world. Mm -hmm often they're happening at a very slow pace yeah. compared to the rest of the world and how um, that part of the business world operates. But mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of clients in the business world that I spend time talking with. And mm -hmm. um, in 2016, I started noticing that a lot of my sales that I was making at the time were coming from um, phone calls, JPEGs and emails and uh, online presentations. And mm -hmm. uh, my client base is all over the United States. Um, it started out that it was mainly Philadelphia-based clients who would walk by, come in, uh, mm -hmm. get a tour, and then uh, buy art. Uh, yeah. but it grew uh, nationally as I started to do more art fairs. Uh, we've been doing art fairs now about 15 years and wow. started meeting people um, from across the U.S. from doing art fairs and growing my, my list of clients. But um, I started noticing in 2016 that um, I did an analysis and discovered that most of my sales had actually come from um, people hiring me to do consulting for them with their collection or um, buying art virtually and not even stepping into my gallery to buy mm -hmm. the art. Mm -hmm. um, I decided at that point... We, uh, my husband and I, he got a job opportunity in Los Angeles. So um, we moved cross country um, and I, I did a kind of an experiment. I had a staff of five people that were running the gallery for me and I was calling in uh, daily. Um, I had a director and some staff there every day. Uh, we were doing the same program, same exhibition, same marketing. Um, and I was coming back to Philadelphia once a month. And, mm -hmm. um, and what I discovered at the end of, of that year was that, again, most of my sales were done online. Mm -hmm. So 
um, anyone that has been a part of a gallery on the business side or operationally knows what a tremendous amount of overhead uh, that yes. type of business can carry. Mm -hmm mortgages, insurance, that's if you own your building, which I do. Mm -hmm. um, staffing, my staffing costs were over $10,000 a month. Mm. Um, insurance costs were several thousand a month. Um, mm -hmm. It really adds up quickly. Um, if you do an art fair, we were spending about $100,000 a year going to art fairs. So mm -hmm. um, uh, the expenses were there and um, I decided to um, uh, basically I have a third floor, uh, exhibition space and, uh, viewing room and mm -hmm. I move my, my gallery up to the third floor mm -hmm. by appointment only mm -hmm. and really streamline my business operations and focus mm -hmm. more with, um, selling online. So that was in 2017. So, mm -hmm. uh, flash forward to today. Mm -hmm. uh, been in this model for three years now and mm -hmm. it's gone quite well for me um, and I'm very happy especially now that people aren't even able to get into a gallery that um, I've created the model that I've created with my business and um, I would say in 2018 I noticed a lot of galleries in New York going under the same model mm -hmm. or um, merging and and partnering and creating partnerships with other art dealers to help minimize their overhead costs. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, so, you know, my gallery has, it will continue to evolve and, mm -hmm. um, uh, and that's always part of um, my interest is in growing, expanding, learning, mm -hmm. shifting and trying things. And I like to tell artists just like what you do in your studio um, experiment. Mm -hmm. and you can, you know, everyone that owns their own business has the liberty of trying things every day and, mm -hmm. and experimenting and using your imagination to figure out what you want to create. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I definitely, um, I mean, it's on a smaller scale right now, but, uh, so I started a gallery in 2016. Yeah. Um, just very small, um, I was working at a department store at the time and yeah. I, that's where we ran into each other. Yeah. yeah. And I was pregnant too. <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. Um, and I think it was actually that year. And um, I asked the department store if they would host an exhibition of like a bunch of artists and um, they were excited about it. So, you know, that kind of took care of the, the space rental. So, um, yeah. you know, I did that and then started expanding to different places like uh, country clubs or yes. um, yeah. just all these different places who were like excited to like host a pop-up exhibition. So that's, yeah. Um, yeah, that's in a similar way. I was just trying to use my creativity to solve the problem of like, well, I can't afford to like be renting a huge space right now. Yeah. What yeah. can I do to still be involved in the arts and still curate? So um, I, I definitely appreciate that sentiment and I understand we have to be as creative with our art careers as within our art is what I like to say. Yeah, and the other side of all of that is um, most of the artists I've worked with from the Philadelphia region, I've now represented many of them. Um, it's we're going on close to 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And as an artist grows in their career, um, 
you know, the, the primary means of, of having success as an artist is selling your, your work and mm -hmm. having gallery representation, mm -hmm. various opportunities, whether it be commissions or public mm -hmm. art or working with corporate advisors. And those are all part of um, having a successful career. The other side of it, as artists get older into their 40s, 50s and beyond is actually um, having institutional shows and doing more important projects that are more legacy um, expanding projects. And um, part of my, my reason as well in, in shifting my model was um, the time that was involved for me to run um, the big gallery operation that I had going was taking up all my time around the show for that month. Mm -hmm. It meant was that I had limited time with each artist that I represented to um, work with them on bigger opportunities that were more kind of life-changing for their careers. Mm -hmm. So um, part of, uh, we've done a lot of museum exhibitions and projects over the last three years. Mm -hmm. I've several um, expensive and time-consuming books uh, and catalogs with, with my artists. And um, I've worked with some of them on mural projects and on larger commission projects that have taken a lot of time. So it hasn't been um, kind of stepping away in any sense. It's been to streamline my time and yeah. resources to um, kind of go for the best of what we can create. Mm -hmm gallery so yeah it's it reminds me of what i hear business people talking about sometimes is the 80 20 rule you just focus yeah. all, all your energy on the 20 percent of things that are actually making you 80 percent of the business yeah yeah sounds like that's what you're doing exactly yeah, yeah. that's a good 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 all thought. right well i have a couple questions that i think some of the artists listening will be very curious to hear yeah um, so the first thing i was thinking as you were talking about how you built your uh, artistic empire is yeah. how you kind of went from the transition uh, from curating, you know, smaller, um, like lesser known artists to, um, to like mid-career and very established artists. I'm curious about that transition and how you, how that happened for you. Um, part of it is, um, it happened through time. Mm -hmm. um, I think the longer, most galleries have a shelf life between one and five years. And um, I've seen this in Philadelphia. Um, you know, I moved to Philadelphia in 1998 and I've watched a lot of people go in and out of business. Um, a few people have tried to reopen several times within different ideas and they still can't kind of make it happen. And um, there's a long game with, with running a gallery business. And um, so part of my evolution with people that I've worked with from emerging to mid-career and beyond has been the evolution of time with them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, oh, I see. So you kind of grow with them. Yeah. New York is an incredibly competitive market. And one of the reasons I didn't want to be in New York, I live there and I, I'm... I decided to set up shop in Philadelphia was, um, you know, I, I didn't really like, and I still don't like how a lot of the art world operates in New York City. And that's kind of the, the model that 
most businesses in the art world were, will base their gallery off of New York um, or try to. And mm -hmm. it's incredibly cutthroat and competitive and there's a lot of backstabbing and artist stealing. And I, I just didn't want to put myself in that situation. Mm. Um, I work incredibly hard and I'm usually a couple of steps ahead of people around me uh, it, that I work with or employees and artists and that's intentional. Mm -hmm. um, the leader, I feel like it's my job and my role to be ahead of the people around me and, and leading a team. Uh, so, you know, when you get into a mid-career uh, artist or even a top-level artist, and I've, I've, shown, I've shown them, um, they have a very high expectation and, uh, yeah, expectation of uh, what you're going to do for them mm -hmm. and the sales you're going to make for them mm -hmm. and the res results and opportunities that they're going to get from working with you. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of no joke when you start working with artworks of artists in their 20s through their 50s that are priced at 20, 30, 40, 50,000 dollars. Mm -hmm. um, most galleries in Philadelphia are not operating at that level. Yeah. Um, it's not a known marketplace that actually can um, support that level of gallery. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, in stepping into that world uh, where I was getting into mid-career and very known and established artists there, you know, there's an expectation that you're going to sell their work. And basically, if I don't, then guess what? I'm not going to be working with them anymore. So yeah. the, the, the scripts are flipped somewhat. Um, the traditional artist gallery model is um, the artist approaches the gallery. They really want to show with them. Um, they have to kind of prove that they're worthy and sometimes even grovel for many years to get a spot, you know, in mm -hmm. a gallery, um, mm -hmm. they have a show and then it might go well, it might not go well, the gallery might commit, they might not commit. Mm -hmm. Model is for the most part, very different. Um, the artists really have the upper hand, uh, level and they're deciding what gallery totally, yeah. they're mm -hmm. going to want to show with. So mm -hmm. I knew that. For me to take on uh, working with these artists, I really had to be able to perform at the highest level with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was part of my my personal growth and yeah. my business growth and um, my client base growth. And um, uh, it's a small community. Uh, people talk in the art world, and you know, people know who they should work with and yeah. homework. So. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these artists did their homework before deciding to work with me. So um, that was part of it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. Like uh, so many, you know, shows that I've entered or um, just opportunities that I've been a part of. And I trace it back yeah. to where I found out about it. It was always another artist recommending it. So uh, that's that's very true. And um, that's that's all very interesting. And I'm wondering about... Um, your collector base. Now, you said that um, you, so if you're working with mid-career artists or for those artists who are listening who are more mid-career or like um, emerging artists going into more higher priced. Yeah. Um, so you said that you found a lot of your collectors um, on, through doing art fairs. Now, were those international art fairs or national art fairs? And then beyond the art fair model, um, even just for like individual artists, what are some ways that they can find collectors for their work? 
That's a great question. And someone just emailed me about that this morning. <laughs> I juried a show for Artist Equity. Um, it's a wonderful organization. And um, uh, we, I selected 56 artists. Um, and one of them asked, I gave a talk online last night and they wanted to know, they said they had hit a wall with finding collectors and new clients. Mm -hmm. and how could they do that? So I, I think it's something that is always on an artist's mind. Um, they're business minded, how to get more people to buy their art. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, let me try to approach it from two sides. One is, um, and actually add a third thought. Sometimes artists um, are not even ready to work with a gallery or they don't have a, a, a portfolio that's at the caliber that a higher end gallery would want to represent. So mm -hmm. kind of, I'm gonna assume that you're either in that boat or you have a great portfolio or you're not and you're working on it and you're building it up to be great. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes artists put their work out there before it's actually ready to be seen mm -hmm. um, and ready to be taken on by a gallery. So I, I think number one is make sure that your, your portfolio is amazing mm -hmm. and the best that it can be. Um, secondly, um, and I try to explain that. Go ahead. Just one question as you're, as you're saying that. So you would recommend only putting your very best work out there and, yeah. and not putting like the works in progress or things you're not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds really simple, but, um, it, you're leaving an impression every time someone sees something and the impression is going to be, I want to see more. I want to get on the website or, ah, they're not that great. And I like collecting artists that are like this. And you can take any client that collects a particular genre of art, whether it's landscape, figurative, abstract, sculpture, photography, mixed media. Most of them have uh, a trained eye and they certainly know quality and what they like. So mm -hmm. you're causing an impression whether you realize it or not. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really important to um, understand your audience and know that they're they're looking at you. Um, and I think a lot of times artists, um, even on social media, they put up some weird or crazy stuff. And whether they realize it or not, that's an advertisement. And yeah. um, you know, you might be thinking that all your amazing artist friends are looking at it, but. What about people like me or other art consultants or curators mm -hmm. that see something and want to click on someone's Instagram or Facebook page? And um, so I, I'm always encouraging people to be polished in their language and how they're presenting themselves mm -hmm. with their mm -hmm. art. Um, I also coach and encourage artists to find galleries and um uh, someone that I was coaching was selling a lot of her own art on her own and basically said, I don't need a gallery. Mm -hmm. I said, well, it's not about a conflict of interest because you could go across the United States, you could go overseas. And why wouldn't you want one or two or three people that are spread mm -hmm. out um, representing your art and working to sell it every month and basically selling it and sending you a check. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think part of it was the fear of actually going out and putting yourself out there 
Um, and artists have a fear of rejection. Yeah. For them to decide, I'm not going to do it because I don't even want to deal with someone's yeah. to me. Mm -hmm. um, you have to develop that muscle and um, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And I'm a big fan of people finding professionals to represent them, mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. it in a professional way. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, um, Jessica, you're in my group, but my um, free group for artists on Facebook, it's called Bridget Mayer Art MBA. I did a whole segment. I have 30 hours of educational videos in, in this portal. Wow. Um, and I, I did a whole segment talking about what we're talking about now. So for any of your audience that is more curious, mm -hmm. they can look into that. Awesome. Um, I'll definitely put the link in the show notes for sure. Yeah, so galleries are definitely key to, um, you know, uh, having success mm -hmm. and, and hopefully would be selling your art. Mm -hmm. Now, the meat of this is what can an artist like yourself or your audience do to um, meet clients, meet collectors and, and get their work out there a little bit more to sell it. Um, I think part of it is um, recognizing that everyone around you is a potential client. Mm -hmm. um, I have over a thousand clients on my list and whenever I am out and about, I annoy the heck out of my husband. <laughs> He's like, you're always working. And I'm like, I'm not working right now. It's just part of my personality. I love connecting with people. I love talking to people. And I love sharing what I'm doing. And I think if artists can get into the mode of recognizing that everyone around you in your life, everyone that you meet is a potential collector of your art. It's so true. It's so true. And, yeah, right? Yeah, like uh, people that I went to college with, you know, when I was like 18 years old, um, have ended up like signing up for my mailing list and then like, yeah, you know, buying like five pieces. And I'm like, you know, we, we barely met in college and now you're like a collector. And yeah, you, you just yeah. never know. Um, just because I think that artists have, a, have an expectation that um, like the collector is kind of like the other. And, and they're this like, you know, they live in a mansion and they have like all these pieces and they're very snooty and they like, they collect, they collect work and they're fancy. But in reality, like a lot of your collectors are people like you and me who just like, oh, I just love that piece and I just have to have yeah. it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, when I I'm in Philadelphia. It's so obvious because it's a city, it's urban. Um, mm -hmm. I walk a lot uh, when I'm in Philly. I'll walk down the street and I'm a people person and I look around and I see buildings and I see lots of people and I'm like, not a client yet, not a client yet. There's no <laughs> art in that building yet. There's no art in that building yet. And mm -hmm. part of it is um, the recognition that um, creating connections with people um, and having the intense desire to grow your collector base is part of the mm -hmm. process. Yeah. Um, I talk to a lot of people. I, I used to go to a lot of networking events, probably the first 10 years of me having the gallery a couple times a night. I didn't have children. I wasn't married yet. Um, I had a lot of time and I worked really hard. I was putting in 60 or 70 hour work weeks with mm. the gallery. I was really committed. And basically 
not only was I having networking events in my gallery, but I was out um, probably twice, two to three times a week, going to museum events, meeting mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. networking events, cocktail parties. And um, I didn't go there with the intention, I'm kind of hardcore. I didn't go with the intention of having fun or getting free wine mm -hmm. or free I went with the intention to share my business card with as many people that was appropriate without mm -hmm. being invasive to the event and having quality conversations to connect with people mm -hmm. um, and being shy and being more introverted is often uh, two of the top characteristics of artists. Mm -hmm. and, um, I think if anyone in your audience feels that way, one of the things that helped me early on was I joined a Toastmaster group. Oh, cool. And I, I actually had a crazy fear of public speaking. Um, and I talk about this in my first book, The Art Cure. Mm -hmm. I kept getting asked to be on artist panels and give lectures, and I kept saying no um, because I was terrified of giving a talk or being in front of an audience. And even with my gallery in early 2001, if I had to give a toast or if I had to give an artist talk, it was torture for me. I would literally be shaking. Aww. And what I could see was that I was holding myself back professionally and I mm -hmm. knew that it would only get worse if I didn't address it. Mm -hmm. I actually started talking to people and asking how people got over the fear of giving talks and, um, you know, connecting with people and having conversations. And um, someone mentioned Toastmasters and I joined uh, and I, I did that for several years. And cool. it's a really great organization. They're all over the United States and I highly mm -hmm. recommend it. Um, so that really helped me. And I just kept working on it and I kept working on my communication and I kept reading books and I kept um, just trying to improve. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. So as an artist, um, it's totally natural to be, to want to run away from these situations. But ultimately in life, if we keep growing and expanding and we go through some of these challenges and get to the other side, mm -hmm. where the reward is. And, um, and so I hope some of your audience might take that on and, um, kind of address it because meeting people is a huge part of growing um, mm -hmm. lecture base. Now so, I'm going to ask you and thank you so much for that yeah. questions. Um, uh, how, how can artists kind of take that advice because right now we're in the middle of a pandemic and it may be lifting soon but it might come back and you know the future is very uncertain. How can they take that advice um, you know try being more social um, in a time where we're like not allowed to be social, what would you suggest? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And um, I'm, I'll talk you through what I've been doing and what I've been coaching yeah. artists to do, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and kind of, um, again, my art MBA group, we've done, we did four weeks of marketing um, videos because people are, trying to figure out how to clean up their marketing and how to actually market without meeting people face to face. So mm -hmm. I addressed this um, and I had two marketing experts uh, discuss 
how to uh, create more impactful emails and how to clean up your website so that mm -hmm. it's actually more impressive for people that are going on to look at it. Mm -hmm. Marketing's a huge passion of mine. I really love it. Um, so I've, I've covered this over the last month in that group. Um, so all you artists listening, go uh, join her group. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I like backtracking. Um, I think what's happening right now is it's not just in the art world, but it's pretty much in every industry. Yeah. If you have not found multiple ways to conduct a successful business, you're stuck right now. Mm -hmm. um, we see it with restaurants that didn't have a takeout or to go program. Mm -hmm. um, they're closing down or um, some of them are going bankrupt or some of them have been scrambling to do what their other competitors have been doing for many years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's easier sometimes to see it in other industries. Mm -hmm. A lot of offices that never created a remote work from home program or gave employees uh, opportunities to um, figure out how to work remotely um, also had to scramble and put stuff into place. Mm -hmm. there's, there's an evolution happening right now online. Um, and a lot of people are late to the game. Yes. Yes. I'm going to tell you how I think many artists are late to the game. Um, uh, so my whole thing with the art world is when everyone's going in one direction, look at where they're going. <laughs> yeah. But also, and maybe go there, go there, but also go find another direction to go in. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of artists have put most of their marketing eggs in one basket and that's Instagram. Mm, yes. Also mm -hmm. Instagram, uh, maybe Pinterest. I think that's fading out and Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, most of my demographic of people that buy art, mm -hmm. they might be on those places, but they're not spending their time um, thinking about buying art from those places. Mm -hmm. And um, it's good to have a presence there online, but it's mm -hmm. really great to have grown your email list Mm -hmm. to have created uh, marketing where you can market out to your list. And my belief is that with your email list, you own it and you can, you control it essentially. Mm -hmm. um, Facebook um, and Instagram can kick people off your, the platform. They can change the algorithm. You can lose. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you spent most of your time marketing in those places, you need to do a 180. And you need to clean up your email list and start working on email marketing mm. thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's it. kind of like when um, there was a move uh, when radio, radio advertising at one point was really popular. Mm -hmm. People made a shift to uh, more direct mail marketing with mm -hmm. putting stuff in the mail. And then putting stuff in the mail went to email marketing, which was mm -hmm. getting something in your inbox. Mm -hmm. and was replaced with everything that we're all doing online on these social media sites. So it's almost going backwards and it's a call to these other media where people that are educated and have the money are hanging out that they don't know you yet and they don't know your art. Yes. Yes. And 
that's so, uh, I, I will say from my own personal experience, like I have an email list and it has a few hundred people on it, just from people that I've met at shows, um, people that I've given my business card to, or people who find me online randomly and sign up like on my website. Yeah. And, you know, these are people who read my emails and then like respond to them when I send them so that when I send out like, I'm having a show, like, um, then I'll get like people who come to that show. Whereas if I just put it on social media, those people are not as invested because they're not like, they're not, they, they haven't committed to like having a relationship with you. And yeah. that's what I like to tell other artists too, is that your collectors, especially the people who are subscribed to you on your email list, um, you're like in a relationship with them and to treat it, treat them really well. Like, like you are in a relationship with them. And if you foster yeah. that, and if you grow that, those people will buy more than one piece. And most of my collectors do, you know? Yeah, I, that's so true. And someone asked me recently, they, they told me that they've burned a lot of bridges in the art world. And Ooh. I told them it's never too late to clean up what you've created, the mess mm -hmm. you've mm -hmm. um, And to, like you're saying, you're in a relationship with anyone that has been part of your career, part of your life. And you might need to start making phone calls and talking to people. And this is good practice for, for people in the audience. But, um, and it leads to uh, the second point I was going to make, which is um, in our culture right now, a lot of people are using email and texting as their main form of communication. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a huge fan of sending letters, handwritten letters and notes. Oh. So an even bigger fan of calling people. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, we utilize that to stay in touch with people. Mm -hmm. I've probably spent two to three hours on the phone every day uh, since the whole COVID thing started to stay connected to people that I normally would be seeing. Mm. And um, I think for many artists, um, they've left that job up to maybe their gallery or other people. Yeah. Um, and it's really important to have relationships with people that have bought your art or are on your list and to know them. Mm -hmm. So communication, calling, writing letters, sending um, packets. I know one artist was sending um, uh, small watercolors to uh, some of her previous clients and thanking them and acknowledging them, which I thought was a great idea. Mm -hmm. But whatever you can do to stay in touch and have that human contact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Really important. And I think, I think a lot of, I think what um, people can run into is like, they feel awkward. Like this person bought a piece of my work and I don't know that much about them. Am I just going to just call them up and be like, Hey, I just wanted to say hello, but you know what? You're reminding me of something because, um, you know, years ago when I bought your painting, I think maybe a year later you did a print series and you sent me a gift of a beautiful print. Um, I did. I did. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really, uh, really lovely. Oh, thank you. And now we're doing this podcast. And now we're doing the podcast. And, and um, my niece was a budding art collector and she loved your work. So I ended up giving her that print oh. as a gift. That's so so just the idea of how it pays itself forward. Yeah. Um, like the long game. Um, I'll give yes. an example. Like, like I have a collector and they bought like over 10 pieces of my work, this yeah. couple. 
And um, they recently bought a piece from a gallery of one of mine and the, um, they didn't like the frame and yeah. uh, like part of it was chipped. And so I'm having a call with them tomorrow and we're going to, um, you know, I'm going to replace the frame. And to yeah. me, that's more of like an investment in a long-term game. Like you can't yeah. think of it as like yeah. spoiled or anything like that. You have to think of it as like, I want to like preserve this relationship and like, you know, it, it's like a, um, you know, for instance, like with your husband or something, you, you have a long game. It's not just about like these tiny little, oh, well, yeah, that's them. And I'm not going to deal with that because, you know, once they bought it, they bought it. You have yeah. to think long-term. So I, that's so true. Um, and I will bend over backwards for clients. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had some really interesting things happen over the years where, um, one story comes to mind that might be funny for your audience. Um, I was installing a very expensive collection of art for a client in Philadelphia on Washington Square near my gallery. They had, I had art advised for them over a year and it was like installation day. Um, uh, we had hired a company that I had never worked with before to help with the installation. Uh, the normal company that I normally would work with was not available. The client had a very specific window of time. So I had to kind of um, rush to put the installation together. And this is um, was a reminder for me personally to um, be a little bit more detail-oriented with um, everything. Um, so everything was going great. The art's there. We're, we're, I'm directing everything. And... I left to meet a client. I was going to be gone for an hour. I left the residence to go back to the gallery. Um, I get a call from my client and he's irate. And mm -hmm. one of the installers um, uh, started acting really inappropriately in his home. And it turns out that he was carrying a gun. And <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, my client was an attorney and um, he was just like, who the hell have you hired to bring into my home? And he was right. So I wow, rushed back scary. to the house. <laughs> I, got, I got a verbal lashing from this client. Um, yeah. Finished the installation. I left the house. I was in tears. I was crying. I'm like, this was... I've never had anything horrible happen like this in many years. Like, it was just really intense. I didn't even know what to do. I called the installation company. I talked to the owners. Um, I talked through that and decided I'll never hire this company again. Yeah. But the bigger issue was what to do with the client. Yeah. Um, the trust. Basically told me that he wouldn't do business with me again. He was really disappointed in the lack of quality and the lack of detail. Mm. And I took it on at first I was really angry. And then I realized like, no, he's the client. He's the customer. He's right. Mm -hmm. Whatever experience he's feeling and he's having with me and what happened around him, mm -hmm. it's up to me to fix it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wrote him a letter um, I actually bought him a present. He collected cufflinks. So I went to Cartier mm -hmm. on the most expensive pair of cufflinks I could buy. And I, that related to what he enjoyed, I mailed them to him. 
um, had another call with him and talked it through and resolved the situation. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, but I'm sharing this because I think a lot of times when artists have something negative happen, whether it's with a gallery or a client or yeah. an advisor or an exhibition, they want to dump the issue on someone else. And I see this a lot. And I was almost in that same pattern of thinking, this guy's an a-hole, like he yeah. yelled at me like that. But I was like, wait, 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 take it on and own it. Cause that's what I, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever result or experience is showing up in your career, mm -hmm. good or bad, you've created it. Mm -hmm. Is there that you want or don't have, um, you've created it and it's up to you to create something new or create more of what you want and own what is showing up for you. So that's, awesome. that's the lesson for me. Mm -hmm. um, that's awesome. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. And yeah. that, okay. So I have three more questions that, um, just very briefly, I know we're running out of time here, but, um, I think that artists would really would love to know. Um, number one is, um, what are some mindsets that artists can have that will empower them in their career? Just like in general, if you could, if you could, um, think of like some ways of thinking about their art career, if you could share that. I know that you um, are really into mindset, so. Oh yeah, so um, <laughs> most people don't know this, but I just wrote a book for artists called Mindset. Mind blown. <laughs> and it's, it's coming out, sometimes I don't announce things because I don't know how long it's gonna take for me to get a book published and get it mm -hmm. out. Um, we're in the final um, editing stages, so I, okay. I'm, it's gonna be out in the next month. Mm you but it's called mindset how um, crazy that's awesome it's a 75 page book and mm -hmm. i share stories and i talk about mindset and i talk about the standard um mindsets that artists have and how they might overcome them mm -hmm. um, one of the things that i've talked about on art mba on facebook and overall to artists when i talk to them is having the mindset that you as the artist are the CEO of your own art career. Mm -hmm. Take that on and own it. That you are the president of your business. It's your business that you're running. And there are ways to show up every single day the way that top executives and people that are at the top of whatever they're doing in the U.S. are running their businesses. There are different mindsets and ways that these people show up. Um, I created a 20 page document mm -hmm. and it's on my website, bridgetmayer.com. Mm -hmm. And if you go onto the website and join the email list, you'll get this PDF and it's about the top 10 mindsets. And you had no idea about any of this. No, <laughs> that's great. The though. top 10 Perfect. mindsets that the top business people in the U S um, have. Mm. Um, and I think one of my favorite mindsets that, um, I talk about in this document is, um, it's, it's basically a little mini ebook, um, mm -hmm. planning your day. Mm -hmm. And, um, most people have a go with the flow attitude. Mm -hmm. I'm going to check my emails, see what's in my inbox. Yeah. I'm going to, mm -hmm. Ooh, it's one o'clock. I'm going to eat lunch. Like most top 
executives and top artists have their day plan from when they wake up until when they go to sleep. Um, a lot of creative people think that if they are planning their days, it's going to reduce their creativity. Mm -hmm. I think this is one of the biggest myths around creativity and being organized as a creative. Mm -hmm. It won't actually do that. It'll give you peace of mind. Mm -hmm. It'll give you purpose. It will actually give you more time. I've mm -hmm. tried it and I operate where my day is planned and it gives me more time. Mm -hmm. um, I actually enjoy my time more. I feel less stress and anxiety because every day I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I know, feel like there's also a sense of like autonomy then, like you're in control yeah. of your day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And yeah, so yeah, that's great. Check out BridgetMayor.com. Put your email in. You're going to get a PDF. That's uh, really awesome. Perfect. That's great. And you'll get all, all the mindsets, all the best mindsets. Yeah. All right. And then um, the other, so the second question is, and this is what I think a lot of artists would like to know, how can an emerging artist get noticed by a gallery that they would like to show with? That they would like to show with? Mm -hmm. um, well, the first point goes back to having a great portfolio. Mm -hmm. Um, to having a great website, to if that person was sitting in their house kind of researching you, is everything that they're seeing um, the level and the quality that you want it to be at? Um, mm -hmm. You're, you know, trying to work with a top gallery, it's even more important. Mm -hmm. um, and taking the time to actually professional development and putting all of that together mm -hmm. the way that you can. Um, I am, um, one of the things that artists have a really hard time with um, is how to get a gallery. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching with my own gallery artists. Most of them have two to three galleries besides me that they're working with. Um, so I'm very well versed in um, how to create a letter, how to create a packet. Um, I'm launching an art MBA platform site. It's a 12 month program. And in month four, I month four and five, I do a deep dive on how to get a gallery. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be sharing letter templates and a whole process that I've worked with over many years. It's been really successful. Okay. The part of it starts with, um, it's like when you're building a house, you want, you want to build a house on the best foundation that you can create. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of artists are trying to build a house with no foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the foundation is a really good portfolio that's mm -hmm. well photographed by a professional photographer. It's the best website. It's the best resume. It's the best mm -hmm. statement. Mm -hmm. It's the yeah. best representation on your social media sites of who you are as a creative. And it, that's really the foundation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's amazing. And, um, and I, so when, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about, I, I read this book and I forget where I read it, but it was talking about how um, people use, you know, we use our intuition basically. So people yeah. use their intuition and I'm sure you as a gallery owner use your intuition and they use the example like uh, when you meet somebody, you make a hundred judgments about them within the first three seconds and it, you're not even trying. So um, 
<laughs> I apply that to like thinking of your art career. If somebody like looks at your Instagram feed or if they look at your website, they're going to make a hundred judgments immediately without, yeah. you know, it's just like their intuition. So making sure that literally every detail is up yeah. to the level of yeah. the gallery that you want to work with yes. or the opportunity you want to reach. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah, um, you know, I think now people are accessing um, websites and social media to learn and do their research. So mm -hmm. LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, so I think making sure that those are presented in the best way. I've seen artists share really political um, posts or um, I'm not saying like, don't be who you are, but if part of your intention with being online is to cultivate um, clients and um, professionals like myself that might be attracted to reaching out to you to see your work, then you have to be aware of, of how you're presenting yourself online. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Maybe you have a private page for all your friends where you can rant and rave, and then you have your public page for other people that yeah. <laughs> uh, are more professional. So, um, and I typically successful people are not attracted to negativity. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of artists go on negative rants lately and I'm not saying again, like don't be who you are, but um, be yourself, but maybe contain how you're being yourself a little bit. And yeah. Because you're presenting that too. Yeah. Awesome. And then uh, the last question before we're going to talk about where people can find you is how can artists use this time in the coronavirus wisely? Yeah, that's a great question. I have to say that I'm not happy that coronavirus is happening and that people have been dying and then all the, the stressors that everyone is under right now. Mm -hmm. But I've tuned a lot of it out. Mm -hmm. um, I know that my daily actions are healthy, they're safe uh, within my family. So I'm not worried about anything related to the virus. Yeah. I've decided to do is to make sure that every day um, I am as productive, as creative, and as forward-thinking as I can be. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like when things around me are pushed on me that people want it to affect how my work is going or what I'm up to in the world. Um, for me, that's a form of slavery. Mm -hmm. um, I tune out media quite a bit. I don't read the paper. Um, I check the headlines once a week just to stay on, like just to know what other people are reading, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. um, and we've used this time to get organized, to clean up a lot of database work, to uh, do a lot of marketing, to update um, our websites, to um, be of value and service to our clients. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't counted, but I, I believe since um, uh, February, so February, March, April, I, I think the, the count is I've sold over 50 works of art. Wow. So That's I amazing. have not let the time that we're in right now uh, create this scenario where I say to myself, I can't sell art. People aren't mm -hmm. out. I can't. They're not buying because of this or that. Yeah. I don't those negative mindsets and beliefs leak into how I'm performing every day. Mm -hmm. so I think okay. it's really important to stay proactive and not be reactive. Yeah. 
Yeah. And like, it's also um, to realize, and I've, I've heard artists say this as well, like, you know, the essential workers are like what's most important and um, they are very important, but it's not like art is not important, you know, because yeah. people, um, you know, one of my favorite Bible verses is like, uh, without a vision, the people perish and like yeah. people need that imagination and that um, people need beauty. People want it. It uplifts you. It, it uplifts your spirit. And when your spirit is uplifted, then, you know, we are healthier, like it's been proven. And yeah. so art brings joy and, and that's important and people still want it and people are home now and they're looking at their walls and they're looking yeah. for that beauty. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's a great belief to have. Um, mm -hmm. That's probably why you've been selling your art recently mm -hmm. and not letting things stand in your way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think when things like this come up in our world, um, this is really traumatic for many people and it's um, a really stressful time. Um, I think it shows, there's a quote by Warren Buffett uh, and basically the quote goes, um, this is a time when the tide goes out, you can see who's wearing a bathing suit and who isn't. <laughs> a lot of people are without a bathing suit on right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of artists have not worked on their finances. They have not created a good foundation. Um, they've been a little bit lazy around maybe their health or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they don't do professional development or read books or mm -hmm. a lot of times in our culture, people stop growing. It's just part of gravity and changing and getting bored or getting older. And I feel like these times are opportunities to basically clean up your shit like yeah. healthier, mm -hmm. um, get more organized, like have a better plan. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm sure there are many people in your audience that are being very proactive and doing a lot of positive things. Yeah. Um, a lot of artists are kind of in their own quarantine anyway, where they're in the studio <laughs> painting for hours and days and making art and making shows. And yeah. um, it's a great opportunity to really do a deep dive with your artistic practice and make the best work that you can and um, kind of come out on the other side feeling really proud of how you handled everything. Mm -hmm. I think these are opportunities to grow and challenge ourselves and um, be the best that we can be. Absolutely, thank you so much. And one thing that I've discovered is like, um, it's been an especially powerful time for me artistically because there's no fear of missing out. Like before there was always yeah. like, I should be out at the galleries, I should be, you know, out at these like parties, I should be doing these things, I should yes. be networking. And now yeah. it's like, there's no fear of missing out because none of that is even happening. The most exciting thing that's happening is in your studio. So yeah. it feels you know, good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it feels yeah. really good. It's like, this is, this is the time to really focus. Well, thank you so much, Bridget. And um, yeah. I just want to give everyone a chance to find you, your both your gallery and your books and your coaching. Yeah. So if you could just let us know sure. where you could find we could find you. That's great. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Um, the I think the place that would help artists a lot to go to right now is if you're on Facebook, uh, type in my name, mm -hmm. Air Art MBA. Mm -hmm. Join. Um, you're going to get asked a couple of questions. Uh, where did you hear about Art MBA? And we want your email because we do an hour session every week, mm -hmm. and. We very thorough 
email recap, which is kind of a cheat sheet of the entire conversation. And we give our top tips. So it's awesome. I'm on it. So yay. So I recommend it. <laughs> thank you. So put your email in and, and join. And we actually at two o'clock today, we have a live um, uh, interview and it'll oh, be man. all the videos are up online. Um, mm -hmm. There's six months worth of content that you can look through and it's a wonderful community. Um, that's the number one place. Number two is if you go on Amazon, if you want to read my latest book, which is a business book for artists, it's called The Modern Artist Way. Um, mm -hmm. You can find that on Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. If you're an avid reader and want to know about how I got started and how I um, made my way through uh, the art world, you would check out The Art Cure. So mm -hmm. the books are up there. I'm really proud of them. I put them out there to really help artists realize that you can come from zero. I had zero money, zero clients, and I built a multi-million dollar business. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. they're both there. The third book's coming out in the next couple of weeks around mindset. Um, and then my gallery is BridgetMareGallery.com. There's my art consulting for artists, BridgetMareArtAdvisors.com. Mm -hmm. BridgetMare.com is my coaching website. So all of that. Awesome. I love it. You're, you're helping so many people and spreading so much joy and beauty. And I just really appreciate you. And thank you so much for this amazing time. And it's just yeah. been filled with so much wisdom. And I think people are really going to love it. And um, all, all of the links I'm going to put on the show notes so people can click on that. And well, I look forward to sharing it out to the group, Jessica. So let me know when it's ready. And I really enjoyed talking with you. And me too. You're Absolutely. doing so many positive things. And I'm so excited to hear that you just sold six of your paintings through your virtual show. Congratulations. Thank and you. Keep making amazing work and your light to the world. Oh, thank you, Bridget. Yeah. All, All right. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed listening, it would mean so much to me if you would give it a five-star rating. In fact, if you screenshot your rating and send it to me on Instagram at Visionary Artist Salon or at Jessica Libor Studio, I will give you a shout out as a thank you. I also wanted to let you know that I've created a gift for you from my heart that I'm so excited to share with you. It is a free guide called 30 Days to 3K, the definitive guide to authentically increase your art sales. In this 15-page guide, I share how I've created amazing results in selling my art online while retaining the worth of my art and feeling authentic. I'm sharing the process that has worked to get the results for me. All you have to do to get it is go to my coaching website, www.thevisionaryartistsalon.com and enter your email and it'll be delivered right to your inbox. I hope it brings you so much value and let me know how it works for you. For those of you who are ready to really transform your art career from the inside out to experience more abundance, creativity, and success, I encourage you to consider my completely personalized coaching program, the Artist Soul Mastery Program. In this one-on-one -on -one coaching program, my mission is to empower you to become the artist you've always dreamed of being by helping you remove internal blocks and step into the powerful and worthy artist that you are meant to be. For a limited time, I'm doing free 30-minute explore calls to find out if this would be the right fit for you. 
To apply for a call, visit the coaching website at www.thevisionaryartistsalon.com or shoot me a DM at Visionary Artist Salon. I'm here to chat. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you soon. Remember that you are already worthy and everything you make is an expression of your unique spirit. Now go forth and create.